Hey everyone, welcome to the Riverview Church Podcast. We hope that you're encouraged and inspired by today's message. We'd love for you to join us more frequently. So before we get started, why don't you take a moment to subscribe to our podcast? Here's today's message from Ryan Gagler. Well, hello and welcome to Riverview Church. It really is so nice to have you with us today as we gather online in Jesus' name. And today we are continuing a series we started last week called Here I Am. And we wanted to just spend some time leaning into the Spirit of God as revealed through the Scriptures and questioning what it looks like for us to live in daily surrender to Him and alignment with Him. And so I'm really excited to share with you guys today because this is something that I've been wrestling with probably over the last 12 months. And I really do believe that if if we actually capture this and begin to live this out, it has radical implications for our lives. And so wherever you're watching from, I encouraged you earlier, make sure you get your Bible out because we're gonna be in there a fair bit today. And so we're gonna start by reading from Ephesians 1. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. And Ephesians 1 says this, Ephesians 1, 13 through to 14 says, And you, the people of God in Ephesus, this is written to, also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, or in other words, when you came to life in Christ, wherever or whatever that looked like, you were marked in Him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Amen. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, this passage is pretty clear. It says that you have received a deposit. And not just any deposit, you have received the most amazing gift, God Himself in the person of the Holy Spirit. Now I need to mention from the outset, and most of you would would know this to be true, but the Holy Spirit is not some side option to Christianity, but He's the main course. You see, the Holy Spirit is not the force. He's not good vibes. You know, He's not a side of fries. Like I genuinely believe so often we approach the Holy Spirit as though He's like the fries to the quarter pounder burger. You know what I'm talking about. You know, we come to Him when we just need some gifts or, or we come to Him when we need to give a prophetic word, but really it's just us being honest with the person in the first place. You see, the Holy Spirit is God and He is the agent of God's presence and purposes and power. And He is the agent for those things here and now. And I know that this is confusing, right? Like the three, Father, Son, Spirit, but one, like... Don't worry, we're not alone. Theologians for thousands of years have have tried to make sense of this and they've come up with all sorts of weird analogies that aren't really that helpful. Uh, And it leaves me just thinking that that maybe our our articulations of the Holy Spirit will actually just fall short. You might've heard that people articulate it like an egg, the Trinitarian egg, you know, Father, Son, and Spirit. And, And look, I actually get to the point where I think all of our articulations just fall short. And maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit is not someone who can simply be explained, but is someone who is to be lived in relationship with and experienced. And so in Ephesians 1, Paul mentions that the Holy Spirit is a deposit. And this deposit is one that will guarantee what will be. Uh, That which we see in part, one day we will see in full. Now, if you've ever placed a deposit before, maybe you've placed a deposit 
on a house. Uh, Renee and I are looking into some of that. And man, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Maybe you've placed, uh, like put some nice shoes on lay-by or something like that. I don't know if we do lay-by these days. Uh, or maybe you've uh, placed a deposit for an event or a wedding or something like that. You would know that when you place a deposit, it is simply a, a statement or an action of intent, right? It's an action of intent. So Paul is saying that we are marked with a seal and this changes our identity. We have now received the greatest gift of all, the precious deposit of God Himself through His Spirit. And, and friends, this is good news. In light of Jesus and the pouring out of His Spirit that Tim talked about last week, we are now carriers. We are marked people, holders of a rich deposit a rich deposit that guarantees an even richer inheritance. Now, this is not some crazy new reality. This is the story of God. Now, if you've got one of these, the Bible, this is powerful stuff. You know, this is a story of God and His redemptive work through humanity. And whilst these verses, some of them are really tweetable and we like to, to read it like that sometimes, there's also a beautiful overarching story that is found throughout our Scriptures. And you see, as we scan through the Scriptures, we see very, very clearly that God's desire has always been to presence with His people. You know the story, right? Right in the very beginning, in the Garden of Eden, God walked with His people. He presenced face to face with His people, revealing His purposes, showing them how to be human. But of course, as you know the story, Adam and Eve didn't wanna just walk with God, they wanted to walk as God. And so God cast them out of Eden, out of His presence. And now rather, He would presence with people who demonstrated great obedience to Him and trust in Him. He met with you know, Noah and uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, some of the patriarchs of our faith. And then once His people were many, He met and He dwelled with a man by the name of Moses. And He told Moses to go into Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let His people go. Now the question is why? This is not necessarily just about freedom but God wanted them to be free so that He could dwell with His people. And so on the other side of Egypt, He instructed them to build a tabernacle. If you're watching along with someone, just say tabernacle. It's just a fun word to say. So check this out. In Exodus 25, it says, Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. So the tabernacle was this amazing portable tent. I mean, this is like next level BCF stuff. This is the place where God's presence dwelled. Pillars of fire and cloud hovered over the Ark of the Covenant, the dwelling place of God, and guided and protected the people. Why? Because God wanted to dwell with His people. Eventually, after generations, they entered into the promised land and established the nation of Israel. And God instructed them to build a temple, a place where He could dwell. And so King Solomon finally completed uh, the building in the place where God's presence could dwell, the very meeting place of heaven and earth. Why? Because God's desire is to dwell with His people. But because that temple was made of brick and was uh, simply a building, as Israel was attacked, and war-torn, the temple was destroyed, and then it was rebuilt, and then it was destroyed again. And then over 400 years later, 
a man from the backwater town of Nazareth appears. And John writing about Jesus says in John 1 verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. And the Greek word there to translate dwelling is literally tabernacle. So Jesus tabernacled amongst us. He came and dwelled amongst us, not in the temple, not in the tabernacle, not in the garden, but in a person. In fact, Jesus himself referred to his body as the temple. In him, the presence of God dwelled. In him, the power of God was made manifest. In him, the purposes of God were revealed as heaven and earth collided. And Jesus told the people that if they destroyed the temple, he would raise it up again in three days. And they were thinking that he was threatening their practices, but he was talking about his own body, the temple. And so Jesus was crucified. He was buried. But of course, praise be, he was raised to life on the third day. And now here's what's really cool. Before Jesus went to the cross, we hear these words spoken to his disciples. John 14 reads this. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. So the carrier of the presence of God, Jesus Christ, has just passed the baton. He has poured out his Holy Spirit on all people. So now you and I are the carriers of God's presence and power and purposes. And the reality of God that resided in Jesus is now given to us. I mean, this is radical stuff. And many years later, Paul, the Apostle Paul, has his own encounter of Jesus. And he's trying to make sense of all of this stuff that's going on. And he says, and he writes in 1 Corinthians 3.16, and I want you to catch this because this is so important. He says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? So catch that. You and I, regular, ordinary followers of Jesus are carriers of the Spirit of God. We together are temples, the dwelling place of the living God. You see, what was once limited to a special place is now given to a special people. In the language of the Apostle Paul, he says, we hold treasure inside these jars of clay. I mean, this is, this is radically important stuff. This should change our identity, the way we see ourselves, because we've been given all that we need and we are to be living temples, carriers of the presence of God. Now, Jesus himself said in John 16, and this blows my mind, right? He said, it's better for you that I go. And I think to myself, nah. No, no, it's not. No, it's better that you stay. But Jesus says, it's better for you that I go because when I go, I will send you the helper, the advocate. I, and sometimes I can't quite, quite get my mind around that, that Jesus genuinely believed it was better for Him to go and for us to receive the Spirit than it was for Him to dwell amongst us. 
See, I think so often we underestimate our identity as spirit people. You see, I often think, well, if Jesus was around, well, that'd be great because then I could go out for coffee with Him. We could talk about life. I'd ask Him all the questions that I have. But then I think to myself, well, Josh is probably thinking the same thing. He'd want to go out for coffee with Jesus too. And everyone else in the city of Perth who follows him would probably want to go out for coffee with him and ask him all the questions they have about life. You see, Jesus understood that whilst he was here on earth, whilst he uh, was here in his earthly body, he was limited by time and place. He was limited by his energies and his human limitations. He couldn't be in more than two places at once. Although in his resurrected body, he could walk through walls, which is pretty cool. So that's fun. So Jesus seemed to think that it was better that he went so that he could dwell in us through his Holy Spirit. I mean, this is, this is crazy stuff, right? Tim, and, uh, Tim last week talked about Acts 2. You know, this, this, and there's this crazy curious moment in the day of Pentecost where the believers received the Spirit and it says, what appeared to look like tongues of fire came and rested on each of them. Now, when I was in Bible college, they taught me to always ask, where have you seen this before? And when I think about that, where have I seen fire resting above something? Well, when I go back in my Bible and I read about the temple and the tabernacle, well, there was a pillar of fire that rested above it. So this picture that we're getting on the day of Pentecost is about a new reality. This is about the decentralization of the temple. You see, no longer is God confined to a single place, but He goes wherever we go. And this is such good news. What was once limited to a place and a moment is now poured out on all people. So the question is, what are we waiting for? The Holy Spirit is here. He's not here, He's here. He's in you. You see, friends, church is not the place you meet with God. I know that might sound strange, but He doesn't live in this building anymore. Jesus actually made sure of it. You don't need to wait six days of the week to meet with God again, you know, to come on a Sunday and meet with Him. You can do that wherever you are because He dwells in you. You have access to God through His Spirit any place and any time. The question is, do we truly understand and live in that reality. And you see, throughout the last four or so months, this has really been tested throughout COVID, right? As church closed and, um, you know, the gyms closed and cafes closed, our identities in some way were decentralized. Like if I wanted to stay healthy and fit, I would need to facilitate my own practices of exercise and eating well, which <laughs> didn't happen. But you understand what I mean, right? When these places are closed, we need to begin to find out new practices and new ways of, of doing the same things. Now, the question is, as church closed, as our public gatherings ceased, how'd you go? How'd you go? Were you able to facilitate your own practices to stay connected? Or had you been relying on the church to be the meeting place of God? Bo Spencer recently coined a term which I love, spiritual atrophy. You know, this COVID space has, has been a time for many of us where our spirituality and our connection 
to the vine has actually been weakened. You know, maybe we've been so accustomed to the church being the, the place of presence and a purpose that we've actually reneged on our identity as, as temple people. And honestly, it, you know, as ministers, we're also guilty of this too, of overemphasizing moments and spaces as if God is only here when He's not. You see, what makes the gathering of believers special is not the messages. It's actually not even the worship, although it's an amazing time. It's the coming together of temples of the Holy Spirit. It's the staying and it's the praying that Tim talked about. That's why we call our gatherings celebrations. We call them that because it is about the coming together of God's people to be encouraged and to share about how God has been so present for them in the last six days. You see, we gather so that we might be scattered. I want you to catch that. We gather so that we might be scattered. The scattering is actually how God's kingdom goes forth. Go and be. And our coming together is not for us to get what we need, but to bring what we have. See, God's desire has always been to dwell with us. And now in light of Jesus pouring out His Spirit, we are living temples of the Holy Spirit. Now, just before we zoom out a little bit and talk about us here and now, I wanna just take a couple more moments to, to talk a little bit about the significance of the temple and the tabernacle. If Jesus has passed the baton to us and we now are meant to be temples of the Holy Spirit, well, what does it mean? And, and why does it matter? And there's three Ps that I want you to remember and I've already mentioned them, but I just wanna talk about them really briefly. You see, the temple was the place that held God's presence it was the place that revealed God's power and it was the place that displayed God's purposes. Now, these three Ps, are, are, they're all interconnected, so don't get too caught up in them individually. They all link over. But firstly, we already talked about this. The temple was the place of God's presence. Yes, the temple was the house of God, the place where God is near, where God is known, where God is knowable. It's a place of relationship, of, of peace, of joy, of freedom. And you see, friends, this building is not the house of God anymore. You are. Don't you know that you yourselves are living temples and God dwells in your midst? Secondly, temples were the place of God's power. You see, you can't have the presence without God's power being revealed and experienced. And now when I say God's power, I, it's important to clarify that this is power to do and power through. The temple was the place for Israel to be encouraged, realigned and empowered to be a blessing to those around them. But the temple was also the place of God's manifest power, forgiveness, restoration. And you see this power working clearly through the person, the perfect temple, Jesus Himself. Power to heal, power to sacrifice, power to walk in step with the Father, even when He was at the end of Himself. Power to walk in the gifts and the fruits of the Spirit. And friends, that power and empowerment that once resided in a physical place now resides in you. And finally, the temple was the place of God's purpose. And I, and I absolutely love this. 
the temple was the on earth as it is in heaven kind of place. The physical temple was built like a garden and not just any garden, but it was built like Eden with the presence, the Holy of Holies right at the centre. The temple was the meeting place of heaven and earth. It was an oasis in the wilderness, the, the place that gave life in the middle of death. This is the home to the will and the ways of God. And quite literally, the temple was designed to be an oasis. The temple was designed to have water flowing out of the altars. It was meant to bring flourishing to dry things, to anything it came in contact with. And then Jesus rolls up and He says, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. And He says, all who do, rivers of living water will flow from you, from in your belly, from out of your altar. This is temple language because we are designed to be an oasis, life-giving people because of our connection to the source. So Jesus Christ, the, the central figure of all of human history was literally the meeting place of heaven and earth, right? In Him, we see the will of God displayed and revealed. We see justice. We see restoration, healing and grace. And we see heaven breaking into our earthly reality. And friends, Jesus passed the baton. So we as living temples are now carriers of the purposes of God. We are carriers of justice, of healing, of peace and joy and forgiveness and faith, hope, and most importantly, of love. I mean, this, this is such good news. If you know and you follow Jesus, this is you. This is your identity. You are a living temple, a carrier of the presence, the power and the purposes of God. And friends, as we go and be, as we are sent out and live out our call as living temples, the kingdom of heaven advances. We are God's advocates for justice and restoration and human flourishing. I mean, in this community alone, we have temples of the Holy Spirit in thir over 30 different high schools, in over 40 different primary schools. There are temples in probably over two and a half thousand different workplaces. And in those spaces, the decentralized church through the empowerment of God's Spirit is extending love and is showing grace and is embodying peace and is demonstrating a new way to be human. And friends, this is the church. The church that gathers so it can be scattered. The church that understands its identity as carriers of the Holy Spirit, a people who embody the presence, the power and the purposes of God in the world. And this is exciting stuff. This is heaven-like stuff. So the question is, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? Well, if you're anything like me, you would know that uh, come Tuesday morning, I often wonder where the presence and the power and the purposes have gone, or I've totally forgotten about it altogether. I've forgotten about my identity and this reality. I mean, Monday's fine because I'm slightly still inspired. I go all right. But then by Tuesday, it's, it's gone. And you see, friends, it's one thing for us to understand our identity. It's another thing for us to live in it. 
And I genuinely believe our effectiveness as living temples is linked to our awareness. And so I want to close our time together by briefly talking about cultivating awareness. Cultivating awareness. Right now, wherever you are, I want you just to think about your breathing. Mm, It's good breathing. Now, I've obviously just made us aware of our breathing, but you were doing it before, right? Like you didn't start breathing. I hope you didn't start breathing when I mentioned it. You were doing it anyway, right? It was happening, but we were actually just unaware of it. I mean, I was thinking about like bacteria, right? Bacteria didn't just all of a sudden appear in the 1600s. It was there. It's just we were completely unaware of it. Uh, It's like if you are driving in your car and behind you, you see the lovely blue and white checkers on a vehicle behind you. All of a sudden, your awareness is heightened, right? Like before you were checking your mirrors, you were doing, your hands were on the wheel in some way or another. But now simply because of a change in your rear view mirror, your awareness is heightened and straight away your hands are straight on the wheel. You're checking your mirrors like crazy. And you see, I think it's so important for us when it comes to the Spirit of God and our identity as temple people to cultivate awareness. You see, in my experience, I often find it's not God who has disappeared, but it's me. It's not His power or His purposes that have dried up, but simply that my awareness of and my connection to Him has diminished. And I hope I'm not alone in this, but the the reality is this is hard. It's actually really difficult, but it's so worthwhile. You see, walking in step with the Spirit is not a single Spirit keys and, and lights kind of moment, but it's a daily decision. You know, I've heard it said, and I absolutely love this, that the problem with faith, faith is it's far too daily. And that actually hits home. That's what makes it hard. You know, living out our identity as God's people, being effective, living temples is something that requires daily surrender. I mean, I wish I could just lay down my life once and it all work itself out. It requires daily surrender, or as Brother Lawrence so amazingly called it, practicing the presence of God, learning to cultivate awareness of the Spirit of God in any and every moment. You know, as as I wash the dishes, God, you're here. As I drop my kids off to school, God, you're here. As I walk into the meeting and I don't know what I'm meant to say, God, you're here. You see, cultivating awareness and awakening ourselves to the Holy Spirit is is not something we do once, but we do it every day. And here's the challenge, right? This is something you need to figure out. You know, I'm not going to stand up here and give you like a three-page list of all the to-do lists because, you know, it's not about striving. This should be a a joyful and a a peace-filled experience. Besides, there's actually no set formula to cultivating spiritual awareness. Now, in saying that, there is a pretty good blueprint in the life of Jesus. You know, there were certain practices that Jesus seemed to think were pretty important. I mean, prayer, like alignment with God, seemed to be important to him. Solitude, he seemed to do that a lot. And he seemed to think that rich, godly community was pretty important. But I want to ask you the question today, 
what awakens your soul to God? What cultivates awareness in you? I think it was about five months ago, Mark Connor preached an amazing message titled How to Connect with God. And you know, we're all wired differently. So what cultivates awareness in you is is different to what cultivates awareness in me. Now, as I mentioned, there are some pretty sturdy blueprints in the life of Jesus, but it's important for us to find the things that awaken our soul to the Spirit of God. And so this is for you to figure out. Now, it might help just to ask some kinds of questions like this. When was the last time I felt the prompting of God's Spirit? When was the last time I I felt an overwhelming sense of joy and peace? When was the last time I undeniably experienced the goodness of God? Now, friends, if you're, Answers to those questions are in church. I want to encourage you to start cultivating awareness in your life. You know, it's time to step into our identity as the temple of God, allowing His presence, His power and His purposes to inhabit every part of our life. You know, to hear His voice and His leading in every moment. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with experiencing God in church. In fact, so many of my memories were were in that place. But if that's the only place we meet with God, we're seriously missing out. You're missing out on the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're missing out on His presence with you everywhere. I mean, this is like getting an iPhone 11 and literally just using it as your alarm clock. Like you can do it, but what a waste. You're missing out on the fullness of the gift. You know, on the other side of that, uh, if we're only ever trying to strive for God's Spirit, we're going to miss out as well. You know, the Spirit of God is a gift, which means we cannot earn Him. And that's the wrestle, right? You you see, we don't need to convince God to show up. He's already here. Yeah, I think so often we stand here and we at church and we go, God, would you just show up today? Would you do something miraculous? Please, Lord, please, Lord, please, would you show up like He's not already here? Friends, God is here. God is there. And his desire has always been to dwell with his people. See, I think so often we get distracted and we get busy or we start trying to strive and convince God to show up that we miss out on the very reality that his presence is already here. In the book of Genesis, we're introduced to a character by the name of Jacob, the father of the nation of Israel. And Jacob is a hustler. He's distracted. He's constantly striving to receive something from God. And he has this staggering moment of encounter when he's on the run. He finally slows down after running from everything behind him. He finally slows down to rest and falls asleep. And Jacob has this radical God encounter 
in which he is awakened to God, both literally and metaphorically. It says in Genesis 28, verse 16, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. How awesome is this place, he says, that God has been here all along and I didn't even realise. God has been with me the whole time and I didn't even know it. And friends, I don't know about you, but sometimes that's my experience. The good news is that God still desires to dwell with us. Will we dwell with Him? Thanks again for listening today. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to come to one of our weekend gatherings. For directions, times, and more information, visit us at riverviewchurch.com 